Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. If you want to drive them crazy, just say eight more years or 12 more years. 16 would do it good. You'd really drive them into the loony bin. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. Getty, Getty. Time to put your ear to the ground. See if you hear the thundering hoofbeats of the white flash. You can usually actually feel the studio shaking. No, nope, false alarm. False alarm. No, oh, there they no, are. Was, you were right the first time. Oh my gosh, I'm so in tuned. Live from Studio Michael just played the door opening. Dimly lit room, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> Under the tutelage of our general manager. Trump, Biden, Biden, Trump, it's on. Really? Beats top tax it day. It feels like it started. Yeah, it could be tax day. You're right. Honorary uh, tax day, Junior. It doesn't feel like it, but it's full on April 15th today. Well, um, I hope everybody knows that. It, 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 I haven't heard like a tax story this week, I don't think. Um, uh, Positive Sean has a good tax story. Would you like to hit us with the title? 
uh, three tax experts weigh in on the tax breaks Batman and Iron Man must have received. I'm all about this. <laughs> Would Robin be considered a dependent? <laughs> I, yeah, I could definitely be wrong, but the fact that you know there wasn't the normal buildup with all the tax stuff that you normally hear leading up to tax day, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a giant chunk of America that we're going to find out just didn't file. Yes, would be the answer. Oh, you I think absolutely so? absolutely think so. Although, ha, if you're informed enough to have realized it was postponed, well, still, there are going to be a heck of a lot of people who forget. Yeah. But not you fine folks. You're well informed, thanks to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, I'll mention this just for the crowd that has similar situations as me. Whatever it is, you know, because I lived a a long period of my life where I went to work, and work was the hard part of my day, and then everything else was just joy. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it was joy, but it was whatever I wanted to do. Right. Nap, party, travel. Yes. Stare at a TV screen. Sounds like joy to me. Yeah. Um, uh, Sounds like my life a little bit right now. (laughs) Yeah. Except the middle-aged health problems. (laughs) And uh, and it was that way for a long time, and then uh, then you have kids needing to get busier, and then I've got a special needs kid, which is just an omnipresent every every day, every waking minute, practically uh, problem. And you know, maybe you've got that problem, or maybe you're taking like Marshall did. He had a similar situation, but taking care of his mom, which was a you know nonstop, round the clock. Um. Burden's not the right word. I don't want to use the word burden. Responsibility, sure. but uh, the taxing responsibility. Duty, I'll go yeah, with that. Duty. Yeah. Duty's a great one. Yeah, okay. Duty's a great one. That's the perfect word. You got a duty that is uh, constant, and then work is your like little break from it. Yeah, like, I hear for, that. I, I, I know this is true for uh, many of you today. You'll do exactly the same thing. Where I was, uh, my son was up all night long with his various OCD and all kinds of different crazy things that, that go on with him. Um particularly now because we stopped some medicine treatment we didn't think was working, and now we realize, oh, I guess it was working more than we thought. Uh Uh-oh. Because we're off the rails now. But then, so then you get to work and think, okay, well, after that, I guess now I'm back to work and focusing on this, and uh, okay. It's weird. It's just weird. It's like you got this, um, I don't know, it's like you you step out of this, this crazy world and shut the door for a moment. Right. Do your thing, then you as soon as you're done, reorient yourself. Yeah, yeah, as soon as you're done, you open the door and step back into your loud, crazy, nonstop world of well, duty, as you said. So for those of you who are doing that, I understand. It is a uh, it'll wear you. It'll age you. We salute you. <clears throat> yeah, you do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um It's nice to know somebody appreciates that though. It's uh, it's like, uh, you know, one of the best things I've heard in recent years is, I can't remember who pointed it out or why, but he said, remember, <clears throat> every single person you run into today is suffering, will be soon, or loves somebody who is. So cut them some slack. Yeah. That's all, that's a little a, more kindness. That's very often true, but I would say I spent many, many years not having any of those problems. <laughs> yeah. I got lucky. I didn't realize how lucky I was. My parents were healthy. My, my, my uh, siblings were healthy. I had no responsibilities with kids or anything like that. Zero. Um, God, we're going to try to get into a, a new doctor and start from scratch because things aren't working. Just start from scratch. Like, you don't have any idea. Here's a kid. Uh, Look at him. Ask him slate. questions. Do some tests. Start from scratch. Try to figure out what's going on here. Because we're not getting anywhere with 
We've probably tried 40 medicines. That's not an exaggeration at all. 40. Wow. All of them with side effects and uh, the complications that come with those. And just uh, it's just ah. and for a fairly prolonged time. Oh, right, yeah. On, on a lot of them and hoping maybe this is the one. And been at this for hell of a journey. Four or five years. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of medicine. Mm-hmm. Who knows what that does to somebody? Anyway. So you say our general manager is Biden and Trump, it's on. Yeah, they're, they're, at, they're at each other's throats. Strong statements, accusations, counter-accusations. Enjoy it while it lasts, folks. It's only going to be months long. Well, six weeks from yesterday, it's getting closer. Six weeks from yesterday. Is what? Uh, the election. No. No? Can't be. That's what, uh, that's what Brett Baer said last night. Six months? That's not right either. Six <laughs> weeks from yesterday is like September the 1st. You're right. So, uh, what Red Bear's a liar. He's a was, stinking liar. What, what was he talking about? I then? don't know. Does he know? We're about a hundred and some days. Yeah, somebody uh, do the math, would you? Yeah. Do the math. No, obviously that's not six weeks. It's a hundred some days. It's like, but um, yeah. When I was watching Trump give his little thing yesterday, I thought <clears throat> he's really missing his opportunity to get into the rallies, isn't he? I mean, that's that's oh, his strength. Yeah. Yeah. History won't remember that. History will if he loses. History will just you know. Talk about how much everybody hated him and he made people wrong, uh, mad. But they'll leave out the fact that what he's best at, he's not getting to do. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not the same thing standing there in a in a, in a quiet space with reporters. Because if he's got the crowd, he's making the jabs and making the jokes, and people are chanting and stuff like that, and he's feeling it, and then you know, and then you get those sound bites going out. Right, that's his strength, and he doesn't get <clears> to do it. Well, and I think the reason that's significant. And I, I'm going to stick my neck out here. Tell me if you think this makes any sense. Is there's a fairly large coalition of Trump voters who think, you know, he's a little nuts, but what the hell? <laughs> well, that's it. Let's try it. And those rallies rally that spirit. They give you more of the, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do it. What the hell? And he's losing that. Oh, no doubt. And no the doubt. Uh, it looks like the Republican convention might not be happening in Florida now or might be very different. I can't imagine. How could they possibly have the convention in Florida here soon? How could they possibly do that? Not in, No pun intended, but not in any conventional way. No way. Anyway, we got a lot more on that. Um Trump took an interesting angle yesterday that uh, I hadn't thought of, but I thought was uh, really smart and really good. So we'll see how that plays out. But more on that later. He's getting lambasted in the media. Um, really? That's shocking. In other um, news, the sun is risen in the east. <laughs> We're going to talk to Andy No later in the program. He's the guy that documents everything that goes on in Portland, the craziness that's been going on every single night. Violence, looting. And uh, look forward to talking to him because, man, that's not getting enough attention. Let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing well. Uh, some good news as far as the vaccine for coronavirus search. Uh, Moderna, their uh, vaccine is looking very promising. They said that uh, they got immune responses in all 45 healthy volunteers, and they're ready to do the big test. But I was my- just reading the actual report, Michael. Did you uh, read the original? Just asking. No. I'm, well, just well, re- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my question, this leads to a bigger question, though. Will, if this stuff starts moving forward vaccine-wise, will there be governors that'll say, you know what, we can just hold off for another month or two because this vaccine looks like it's just around the corner and maybe we can just shut down for another four weeks or so? There could be that. There's there's also going to be the question of how many people won't take the vaccine because some studies show like maybe around a third of people won't take it. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Speaking of medicines and side effects, is uh, you know how, how nailed down is all that? 
on a brand new medicine. Well, the one thing we can count on is it'll be divisive and poorly reported. No, so people will be angry at each other for the wrong reasons. There's positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. I uh, I, I handled my taxes yesterday. Did it all all by myself. Went online, and, there you, you know, some shady site. They probably scraped all my data, whatever. But apparently, my my things are filed. Um, uh, payments are scheduled. Filed with the Chinese government. Yeah, something. no. <laughs> but I had an interesting, uh, just kind of moment of clarity. And it's one of those things where when you experience, yeah, oh, of course, this this makes perfect sense. But it, so I, I did that kind of early afternoon. Then after that, I, I jumped online and I started playing uh, video games with my friends as I'm as I'm wont to do. And for the first time in several days, all of a sudden the games were fun again. And it's because I had removed the the guillotine of of dodging responsibility of I knew I had to do my taxes at some point. That was hanging today. out there. And, and every time I was doing something, I was I would have to quiet down that voice, and but I could never do it effectively. And uh, it, it just made other things uh, less enjoyable. And then once I removed that, then all of a sudden I was able to enjoy the things that I enjoy again. And it Interesting. Was, it was a it was a, a moment of uh, an epiphany. Yeah, I had a bit of that yesterday too, with uh, with uh, some last minute tax stuff problems that came up, and then some hospital forms that had been hanging over me for like a week. I got them done. Then all of a sudden, like, I felt like the what do I have to do now? I can do whatever I want. Free as a bird. Free as a bird, yeah. Why didn't I do this earlier? Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Wednesday, July 15th, the year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin then officially, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. Taxes. Beautiful, lovely taxes. I'm going to start laughing like that. Family Monopoly game yesterday. A couple people had to pay taxes. I got to give them a little speech on tax day about taxes. Oh, boy. There's some eye rolling there. Playing Monopoly. Yeah. (laughs) We've been playing the same Monopoly game for five days. My wife's hell-bent we're actually going to finish a game. I said, that's never happened, you realize. Nobody's ever finished a game of Monopoly. No. Nobody knows what happened. Not you nor anyone else. Double the taxes. Triple the taxes. Squeeze every last drop out of those insolent musical peasants. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How does mailbag look? Oh, very good. We've got a great freedom-loving quote of the day from Thomas Sowell. Oh, cool. Among other things. We'll get into it coming up. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. That horrible person, that Maxwell lady who was getting uh, Jeffrey Epstein as rape victims and participating in the rapes, turns out she's got a husband, a secret husband she's had all this time, won't reveal who it is. So that was an interesting twist in the courtroom yesterday. Uh, A few details on that later. Wall Street Journal out with an op-ed today. Good one. Schools can reopen safely this fall, and they should. Wow. So it's not just provocative Trump lunatics that think schools should be open. No, indeed. I mean, the National Academy of Pediatrics or whoever those folks were. I can't remember the name of the organization. Bunch of pediatricians is the point. Mailbag. Our freedom-loving quote of the day today, continuing our series with uh, the fabulous, the great Thomas Sowell. Read his book, A Conflict of Visions, the first chapter. That's plenty. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's wonderful. But the, the, the principle is there in the first chapter. Sure. So why would I read the rest of it? Well, you could got, if you want. I got things to do. <laughs> right. 
What the welfare system and other kinds of government programs are doing is paying people to fail. Insofar as they fail, they receive the money. Insofar as they succeed, even to a moderate extent, the money is taken away. True. It's <clears throat> a good one on tax day. About your uh, money. I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a, a brief bit of this note from uh, Kevin. Uh, he's been listening for a long time. He, uh, he just lost uh, the love of his life to breast cancer. And writes a really nice note about the show and listening and enjoying it and, and lifting experience and that sort of thing. And, and we appreciate the note very much, uh, Kevin. And, and he reminds us that that uh, sort of thing is still going on. And he's asked friends and family to donate to the Susan Coleman Foundation American Cancer Society, an office of which is right downstairs from Radio Ranch, as a matter of fact. Uh, so thanks for the note, Kevin. Very nice of you to write. <clears throat> Sorry for your loss, obviously. My favorite aspect of the American Cancer Society being downstairs, it, it, is, it is the first door you come to after entering the building. And because this is Cal Unicornia, there's a big sign on the building warning you that there are substances that may cause cancer in this building. Which is posted on every building in a state with 35 million people. If everywhere is a cancer risk, nowhere is a cancer risk. Sure. The American Cancer Society seems okay being in this building please. Uh, Here's a nice note from a different Kevin. Hey, Big Freedom and old Simple Jack. On the topic of deciding whether to open school, I won't claim to know what the correct answer is, but here's an idea how to make a better decision. Let's let the districts, teachers, unions, school boards, and PTAs sort this out. But the fairest decisions are made when all parties have some skin in the game. As it stands right now, the unions and districts seem content to punt, go back to distant learning, even though it mostly goes unsaid. They also expect their full funding and full salaries. We should reject that. While it might take, say, 25 teachers and five administrators to run a physical school of 600 kids, I imagine it would take less than a quarter of that total to print out weekly packets and hold Zoom meetings. More to the point, while one may need to send their kids to a local school uh, for in-person schooling, who's, t- who's to say that those same local teachers and administrators are best equipped to school my kids over the Internet? You have, I see his point. You've opened your kid up to global learning. Sure. Why do I care if it's the person down the street? Now, you might say if they have a relationship with the teacher, there needs to be continuity and that sort of thing. But that's if you interrupt the school mid-year. Yeah, starting this next year, no, there's no reason. There's a whole bunch of different stuff like that. Um, Yeah, uh, well, I think his point's pretty clear. But that online thing, whether it's teaching with universities and schools and stuff like that article the other day, and I had brought this up on my own with therapists. People are getting comfortable enough with the whole Zoom therapy thing. Then why why am I picking from the four therapists in the town I live in who deal with this? I could go to anybody anywhere in the country. I'll just find out who people think is the best. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. How much time, Michael? Oh, man, that's not a lot of time. I will tell you this. The... uh the Navy ship burning in San Diego. Just you can't put that dang thing out. Uh, What's specifically burning fuel? At what this point, for anything a, that can burn, I suppose. Four days, God, that I, no, it's not the fuel. Thank God, because that would be catastrophic. But uh, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I've been on quite a few Navy ships, and it's not like there's plywood paneling and big sofas or anything like that. <laughs> it's not an old Studebaker. <laughs> there, are, there are, you know, there's furniture and stuff and paper and. But that wouldn't burn for four days. No, you wouldn't think so. I mean, they're mostly made of metal, right? Yeah. Clearly. And they're built to deal with this sort of thing. The Navy doesn't use a lot of, like, old wood ships, old Chris Crafts or whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, at least I don't believe they do. Latest in all the news on the way. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When Donald Trump talks about improving efficiency by retrofitting lighting systems with LED bulbs, remember what he said? He said he doesn't like LED because, quote, the light's no good. I always look orange. End of quote. The light's no good. I always look orange. <laughs> that would, that would He's not going to make America great again. He's going to make America orange again. Uh, Trump and Biden both had lines that would have been a lot better if they'd have had crowds. But uh, obviously you can't have crowds now. So uh, politicking is kind of weird. They both gave speeches yesterday. Trump in the Rose Garden, which some decried is awful because you're, nobody's politicked from the Rose Garden or something. I don't know. I don't Supposed think, to be for solemn engagements. I don't think anybody pays attention to those things anymore. No. Um, uh, a quaint idea. Yeah, there are all kinds of norms that don't exist anymore. But um, 
Biden, that's two speeches in a row where he sounded completely calm. I don't know if they got his Metamucil dialed in just right or <laughs> wow. what's going on, but he two two speeches in a row where he uh, he did not sound like, oh my gosh, this person is completely over the edge. And, n- nor was he uh, uh, overshadowed by birds yeah, drowned out by... Noticeable lack of waterfowl in that speech. Right, um, they finally got that dialed in. So they both said the things you'd expect them to say. But one angle that Trump went with, I thought that was interesting, and I thought this is uh, this is a pretty good idea. Although, like I said earlier, without the big arenas full of cheering people, it doesn't feel the same. And that just there's something about you know his personality, his his energy, the energy of those things that I think is really going to hurt him if he doesn't get to do that. Anyhow, going with uh, uh, taking a lot of the things that Biden has been saying uh, in speeches, including yesterday. Our roads are falling apart. We the 30% of the roads in this country are falling down. And Trump kept saying, you and Obama were in office for eight years. Why didn't you fix it? Mm-hmm. And then he'd move on to something else. And that's that, you know, that's that's one of the things that he argued when he was running for president. Um, it's harder to do when you've been president, but to his advantage is the guy running against him was in the White House for eight years himself. So. You do hear a lot of folks saying uh, Trump's problem is that he owns a lot of the problems in the country. He can't say, elect me for change sure. right? because he's the president. But that's a pretty good counter. That guy was uh, you know, part of the administration for eight years. Ultimately, it made me feel like we listen to these elections and then whoever gets elected doesn't fix the things they were talking about, mm, which to, happens a lot. To some extent, yeah. yeah. Although Trump has delivered on a number of his, of his promises. Even the left acknowledges that. Old man Biden, not so much, although they got the Obamacare through, for better or worse. He's going to hit, the Trump is going to hit Biden like crazy on China, too. He said, uh, do we have that clip? I don't even, I don't remember. Trump said, uh, Joe Biden's entire career has been a gift to the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) It's pretty strong thwack. Oh, I miss uh, I misheard Brett Bear yesterday. He didn't say six weeks till the election. He said sixteen weeks, which uh, I guess speaks to how busy I've been uh, trying to deal with my uh, family situation mm-hmm. and uh, not sleeping. That I didn't take two seconds to do the math. But yeah, we're sixteen weeks out from the presidential election, which is a ridiculously long time. So why are we even talking about it? One could ask because one could ask because Trump renewed and revitalized the Where's Hunter. He brought, I didn't catch that yesterday. He brought that back. Huh? He did. He's unemployed. He didn't have a job. All of a sudden, he's making a fortune. Where's Hunter? <laughs> Hunter, you're a loser. So, uh, yeah. Is there it, you go. Is that is that supposed to get votes, or is that just to get under the skin of your opponent? Eh, maybe a little of both. Hmm. I don't know. The whole lock her up thing was not a serious, you know plea to have a trial for hillary clinton really it was excellent point uh, you know made people cheer and laugh <laughs> and, and and stoked the the critical ah what the hell feeling that gets people to vote for trump i think in addition to the bidens trump insulted uh, aoc calling her not talented senator bernie sanders mocking him for having a good base of liberal supporters but failing to win the presidency in two campaigns then the Biden campaign struck back with an email fact check. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, you know, the various newses this morning had their uh, their editorials masquerading as newscasts talking about the speech yesterday and fact checking the president. So we should read through some more of that uh, former New York Times writer who left yesterday 
with an open letter explaining what an awful organization the New York Times has become. We got mm-hmm. to it at the very end of the show yesterday, right when it came out. We should reread that for you if you haven't heard any of it, because it's it's pretty dang good. Yeah, Barry Weiss was indeed. Is it Barry or Barry? I hear it like 50% each. No consensus has, emu- has emerged. Can somebody ask her? I believe it's Barry Weiss. Now. Okay. Can't get no, enough not Barry White. No, that's a, that's that is an elderly uh, black man. This is a, a youngish woman. Okay, and Just, the fans start to chant Barry, but okay. her name is Barry. Yeah, no, that's so a stop player. chanting that. <laughs> yeah, don't chant that. Barry Weiss. She was an editor, an opinion editor at the New York Times, and she said, "I can't work here. This is insane," and went into some detail. It's troubling, although. Well, I don't know. I'm going to give you the old double reverse here. So you hand it to the running back. He flips it to the receiver. He flips it back to the quarterback. What happens then? Nobody knows. Everybody's everybody's dizzy. A little razzle-dazzle. Right. Right. Either gain 40 yards or lose 23. Uh, So uh, it it is scary that our, our, uh, our media has become so twisted that a woman of her stature would be forced out, essentially, by the young lunatic. This is someone, she cried at her desk when Trump was elected. Yes. She was so upset about it. She's too far to the right for the New York Times. Right. And so that's disturbing. But the fact that she has come out and strongly stated the reasons and how bad it's gotten encourages me, because I think more and more Americans are waking up to the threat of this this anti-free speech lunacy. But then here's where I flip it back to the quarterback. On the other hand, none of the liberal media are reporting her uh, resigning, or at least a lot of them aren't. I haven't, you know, scanned every single media outlet, but most are just shuffling their feet. I don't know. She, I guess she quit. I don't know what's going on. But the letter itself is very powerful. Of course they're not going to report on it on those cable news channels for the very reason she's talking about it. They would get killed in Twitter if they, if they even hinted that that was a troubling development. Yes, Indeed, and one of the most powerful things she said in her editorial, which we'll share with you, and it's actually her resignation letter, was that Twitter has become the editor of the New York Times. Yeah, she said Twitter's not on the masthead at the New York Times, but it makes the decisions. And, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked, there were there's two things that stood out to me. Her talking about um, how, how, why, how dare we ever challenge our readers in the, in the opinion page. As opposed to printing, as she said, the 4,000th article about how Trump is a danger to America. Right. Which is, you know, if you read the New York Times, it's just it's just never ending. The same, It's the same op-ed piece. Right. In every section of the paper. Uh, yeah, whether you're talking about the book reviews or gardening or sports, they try to work in uh, how Trump is the new Hitler. Uh, Cooking in- chicken breasts in the times of Trump. But the mo- out of the food section. To me, the, the the single most troubling thing that she mentioned was how um, there, are, there are people in management positions that in private back her up, but wouldn't say it out loud and won't with her resigning. Yeah. That's what's scary. And that's true all over the place. Secretly, bosses, co-workers who think, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with what you're doing, but I can't say it out loud because I'll yeah. get killed on Twitter. I'll get doxxed. I'll lose my job. Right. I may even love what you're doing secretly. I'm going, yeah, yeah, behind the scenes, but I'm sure not going to say anything. That's Coward. a scary world to live in. Well, the the young radicals, as young radicals have throughout history, are very good at instilling fear. They have people afraid. And that's why so many people are compl- complying with it. what are patently obviously 
awful or just ridiculous uh, policies and ideas. Those which are not laughable are incredibly dangerous, and you'd think people would, would wake up to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear in the air. I was discussing that with a few business people yesterday. You have to watch your step and not, and, and some of you, I think, get this and some of you don't. You're not watching your step to avoid saying something bad. You're watching your step to avoid committing an act of blasphemy according to the, the, the Twitter knives, you know, the, the, the Twitter scourge. And, and it's difficult to know what's, what's their code and what's not because it changes. Sure. But God forbid you if you step outside those lines, those ever-shifting lines. We have breaking news. We won't, we won't use Brandon the donkey. I just I feel like we shouldn't abuse him for this. But this is breaking news. Kanye West is out. Oh! What? He's ended his candidacy oh. for president of the United States. I just ordered my bumper stickers. I just uh, booked a room at his convention. Dang it. The Kanyevention. <laughs> I just painted my car. <laughs> so, Got your car wrapped, so Kanye 2020. Apparently, what his wife, his wife is Kim Kardashian. Co- that's correct. Are you aware of this? Yes. Uh, apparently, what his wife and other friends said that he was in the midst of a manic episode when he decided to run for president. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I liked what the uh, the editors of the Dispatch said. Uh, like many of us here, he made a grand announcement, then realized it was a lot more work than it sounded. <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah. Oh, amen to that. So Barry Weiss's powerful letter of resignation coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. Private gatherings, that's what's getting us, people. Private gatherings, people grouping together in homes, thinking for some reason because they're your friends, they won't have the vid, I guess. Right. Uh, More on those stats that are out in a Wall Street Journal editorial about it coming up. And if you're able to stay tuned for next hour, grab it via the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com, the on-demand podcast, a new story that will make all of this seem utterly inconsequential. Really? Meteor coming? I'm serious. Meteor on the way? Oh, uh, no. Okay. Alien invasion? No, but of similar uh, importance. Wow. Well, you I got my attention. not. I was going to listen to music. <laughs> well, don't do that. But I'm going to stay here. Barry Weiss is a uh, youngish woman. Uh, how old is she? Probably in her 40s. She was hired by the New York Times three years ago. As she says in her letter of resignation, I was hired with the goal of bringing in voices that would not otherwise appear in your pages. First-time writers, centrists, conservatives, and others who would not naturally think of the Times as their home. She is 36. <clears throat> Thank you. The reason for this effort was clear. The paper's failure to anticipate the outcome of the 2016 election meant that it did not have a grasp of the country it covers. She mentions big-time editors and uh, long-timers, and others have admitted as much on various occasions. The priority and opinion was to help redress that critical shortcoming. And then she mentions... um. <clears throat> Uh, the people she worked with and, and the people she got published that she's very proud of. But the lessons that ought to have followed the election, lessons about the importance of understanding other Americans, the necessity of resisting tribalism and the centrality of the free exchange of ideas to a democratic society, those lessons have not been learned. 
Instead, a new consensus has emerged in the press, but perhaps especially at this paper, that truth isn't a process of collective discovery, but an orthodoxy already known to an enlightened few whose job is to inform everyone else. That's some good writing. That is. Well, it's no longer a search for truth. It's merely an indoctrination organ. I don't suppose you get accidentally hired to write at the New York Times. She's good at writing. It's a good point. But uh, that that is an excellent. Uh, that That is what's going on in the world right now. You, right. Uh, you know what's right. You're going to hide or stifle somehow anything that goes against that. Yeah. I heard a wise sage once say that, uh, as opposed to an idiot sage, Joe, that's redundant. I could not work for the New York Times. <laughs> Barry Weiss would laugh at me. <clears throat> uh, a, a sage once said, once you lose the capacity to say, but I might be wrong, you become something like a monster. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Twitter is not on the masthead of the New York Times, writes Barry Weiss, but Twitter has become its ultimate editor. As the ethics and mores of the platform have become those of the paper, the paper itself has increasingly become a kind of performance space. Stories are chosen and told in a way to satisfy the narrowest of audiences, rather than to allow a curious public to read about the world and then draw their own conclusions. I was always taught that journalists were charged with writing the first rough draft of history. Now history itself is one more ephemeral thing molded to fit the needs of a predetermined narrative. And she uh, throws a little Orwell at us. My own forays into wrong think have made me the subject of constant bullying by colleagues who disagree with my views. They've called me a Nazi and a racist. I've learned to brush off comments about how I'm writing about the Jews again. I don't even know what that means. Uh, several colleagues perceived to be friendly with She's me. She's pro-Israel versus Palestine, and that's one of the reasons the oh. newsroom hates her. <laughs> ah. Several colleagues perceived to be friendly with me were badgered by coworkers. My work and my character are openly demeaned on company-wide Slack channels. It's like a private messaging board uh, where masthead editors regularly weigh in. That's the heavyweights. There, some coworkers insist I needed to be rooted out if this company is to be a truly inclusive one. Uh, Ladies and gents, sometimes the irony is too much. We need to root out any opposing viewpoints if we're going to be truly inclusive. Good God, these people, they don't understand how nuts they are. <clears throat> while others posted axe emojis next to my name. Still other New York Times employees publicly smear me as a liar and a bigot on Twitter with no fear that harassing me will be met with appropriate action. They never are. There are terms for all of this. Unlawful discrimination, hostile work environment, and constructive discharge. I'm no legal expert, but I know this is wrong. Boy, that's something. And then she talks a little more about how some of the really higher-ups in the Times have privately praised her for her courage. But then when low-level employees, writers, say she's a Nazi on Twitter, they get no pushback from management. Yeah, that that I don't quite get, but it's clearly happening. Uh, uh, Part of me wishes I could say that my experience was unique, but the truth is that intellectual curiosity, let alone risk-taking, is now a liability at the Times. Why edit something challenging to our readers or write something bold only to go through the numbing process of making it ideologically kosher when we can assure ourselves of job security and clicks by publishing our 4,000th op-ed arguing that Donald Trump is a unique danger to the country and the world? And so self-censorship has become the norm. What rules that remain at the Times are applied with extreme selectivity. If a person's ideology is in keeping with the new orthodoxy, they and their work remain unscrutinized. 
Everyone else lives in fear of the digital Thunderdome. Online venom is excused as long as it's directed at the proper targets. Now, this to me is is the most searing indictment, this uh, couple of sentences. <clears throat> Excuse me. Op-eds that would have easily been published two years, just two years ago, would now get an editor or writer in serious trouble if not fired. If a piece is perceived as likely to inspire backlash internally or on social media, the editor or writer avoids pitching it. If she feels strongly enough to suggest it, she's quickly steered to safer ground. And if every now and then she succeeds in getting a piece published that does not explicitly promote progressive causes, it happens only after every line is carefully massaged, negotiated, and caveated. Then she mentions the Tom Cotton op-ed that it took the paper two days and two jobs to say that the Cotton op-ed fell short of our standards. We attached an editor's note on a travel story about Jaffa, Israel, shortly after it was published because it, quote, failed to touch on important aspect of Jaffa's makeup in his history. But there is still no note appended to Cheryl Strayed's fawning interview with the writer Alice Walker, a proud anti-Semite who believes in lizard Illuminati. Um... She mentions the Soviet space program being lauded for its diversity in the New York Times. The doxing of teenagers in the name of justice is condoned. And the worst caste systems in human history include the United States alongside Nazi Germany in the Times. I remember when that came out a couple of days ago. We talked about that. Yeah. So this has been unfolding in plain sight for quite a while. Julie Abramson, who was the person who ran the entire newspaper years ago. Back when they were a lot closer to normal at the New York Times, when she left, she said that the young people have taken over, and now opinion is showing up on the front page of the New York Times. Well, that that is... Then we had... Um, Which would be excusable if it was multiple opinions and diverse opinions. <laughs> Laura Logan said she can read a news story in the New York Times and not find a single fact. So I find it interesting... That this uh, that the, the this person that worked there said they 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 go through line by line to make sure you haven't you know offended anybody p- with political correctness, right. not to make sure that everything's accurate and true, to right. make sure you haven't offended anybody. Yeah, that's wild. And even the editorial page, which exists to air, you know, a, a variety of views, has now become lockstep single ideology. It's sickening. Did you cancel your New York Times subscription? I'm about to. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.